Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week, we're talking about Richard Strauss's Die Frau ohne Schatten, Eric, which uh, was written during the First World War, but didn't get its first premiere until 1919 in Vienna. Right. And this is one of those pieces that he wrote with his good friend and collaborator, Hugo von Hofmannsthal. One of the all-time great composer-librettist teams, right up there with Mozart and Da Ponte and Verdi and Boito. These two turned out masterpieces, and this is an amazing piece. Die Frau ohne Schatten means the woman without a shadow, and uh, it's a fairy tale opera, although it's not based on, it's an original story. It's not based on anything written previously. It has elements of, as you said, fairy tales. Also uh, has been compared in, in some respects to Mozart's The Magic Flute. Mm, yeah. You have that enchanted element, that the, magical element. And the trials. The trials, and also two couples. True. You've got the emperor and the empress here, and then Barak and his wife, yeah. Barak the dyer, and his wife, Mrs. Barak. Mrs. Barak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The big difference here between this and the magic flute is neither of these couples are comedic. <laughs> At all. <laughs> Backstory. The emperor of the southeastern islands mm-hmm. is mortal. Right. The empress, his wife, is only half mortal. Her father, Kaikobad, is the king of the spirit realm. Yeah, basically he's a god. And she was born to Kaikobad and a mortal woman. How does the emperor come across the empress? Well, funny story. He's, <laughs> he's out hunting. And he spies this beautiful white gazelle, and he shoots the gazelle, and the empress basically springs from the body of the gazelle. And he falls in love with her and uh, takes her home and marries her, as one does. And they're very happily married. Yes. They love each other. Right. Very much so. Tremendously. The one sort of fly in the ointment is that she has not been able to bear him any children. Because she casts no shadow. Because she is more in the spirit realm than she is in touch with her human side. And that's her journey in this opera, is to become in touch with her human side and to relate to humans and to become more human herself. They've been married for 12 months and are still childless. And Kakobad sends his messenger down to Earth with the message that if she does not get a shadow, she'll have to go back to the spirit world and the emperor will be turned into stone. Right. So the empress comes across, the emperor has lost his favorite falcon. And the emperor comes across the falcon and she hears the falcon singing, basically, the woman casts no shadow, the emperor will turn to stone. So she knows that this is going to happen. She goes to her nurse, who we know from the first scene is actually uh, an agent of Kaikobad. She goes to her nurse and begs her to help her find a shadow so that she can stay with her husband and that he will not be turned to stone. Conveniently, they've got three days, three days to find a shadow. Conveniently, the emperor decides he's going hunting for three days. Yes. So while he's away, the nurse and the empress have got time to find that shadow. Yes. So where do they go to find the shadow? Where do you go? I mean, 
<laughs> shadows are us. Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> you want your shadow? We got your shadow right here. No. <laughs> the, the nurse knows of this couple. and This mortal couple. Mortal couple. And uh, they basically descend. The, the Eastern Isles are, are sort of, I mean, yes, it's Earth, but it's sort of a paradise uh, in a sense. Not the Earth that we <laughs> live in, as it were. Uh, they descend to the mortal realm to find the dire Barak and his wife, who are living in a hut that's kind of squalid. Well, not kind of squalid. It is yes, squalid. <laughs> and um, the nurse knows of, the, of this couple because despite the fact that Barak is a very kind man, uh, he's the most relatable character in this opera to us. He's, he's our entry figure in a sense. His wife is unhappy. And they're growing more and more estranged. The wife casts a shadow and is capable of bearing children but she chooses not to because they are growing more and more estranged. And the nurse sees her, you know, as a very likely target. They might very well be able to get her to give them her shadow. Along with Barak and his wife are Barak's brothers. Yeah, they're a motley lot. <laughs> You've got one who is one-eyed, yes. one who is one-armed, yes. and one who's a hunchback. Yeah. <laughs> So he, he lucked out. Barack lucked out. No contestants on The Bachelor, these. <laughs> yeah, Barack is very much the pick of the litter. <laughs> the nurse and the empress come down disguised as servants. Yes. They come to the dyer's wife and they begin to... Offer themselves of, to, to, yeah... To seduce her to give up her shadow. Right. How do they go about that? Well, they offer her lots of stuff. They offer her material goods. Uh, the nurse conjures up a boy toy at one point. Well, actually several points. Every time Barack leaves the house, you know, here comes the boy toy. Uh, and she's, you know, basically saying, yeah, you, uh, you know, renounce your shadow, which is to say renounce Barack. You know, basically give up on the marriage and give us your shadow. You can have all of this. This is all yours. And she keeps at it and keeps at it and keeps at it day after day. Uh, Over the course of those three days. Mm -hmm. And the and the dyer's wife is, is tempted, but she keeps um, not giving in to the temptation because she knows in her heart that Barak is a good man. He really is, and he really genuinely loves her, and she knows that, and she... She's reluctant to betray him. Although he does come home one day and she has separated their beds. Yeah. So he knows that something is up. Yeah. And in the meantime, while, you know, the empress is in their house, essentially she's working for them as a servant. She's getting to know them and getting to really see the beauty of humanity. I mean, there's a this scene that she has alone with Barack at one point when the nurse takes uh, the dyer's wife out, and it's the empress, the empress and Barack alone, and she she really sees the good in this man and the beauty um, of him and and, and of, of their suffering in a sense. This, this time is allowing her to really become more in tune with her human side. So. They're going there to, to, to try to get the dyer's wife to give her shadow up in order to 
make the Empress more human, but she's actually accomplishing it in a completely different way. So it is all based around this mortal spirit, this humanity. And, and as you say, as the Empress gets in touch with her human side, then there's more chance of her gaining a shadow. Yeah. And therefore, they wouldn't need to take the Dyer's wife's shadow because the Empress sees the discord that her plan She's causing. is causing. And she regrets that. Right. And, and the criticism of her before was that she was too lofty. She was above everything, you know, and she was too veering toward the spirit side of her, her heritage and was looking down upon humanity. Now she's right in it and she's relating to it, relating to, to these people. And it basically all comes to a head at the end of Act Two. Toward the end of Act Two, the dyer's wife says to Barack, I have sold my shadow, which is to say, you and I split. We're done. <laughs> We're done. And to prove it. I'm dying to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To prove it, his ugly brothers. <laughs> they light a fire. Yeah. And it is seen, the fire doesn't cause her to cast a shadow. And Barack is beside himself and, and actually even vows he's going to kill her. And at that point, a sword appears in his hand to allow him to do it while his brothers hold him back. The dyer's wife at this point sees what she's done to him and says, I actually didn't do it. I didn't actually sold, sell my shadow. I just wanted to do it. But I didn't do it because she's now filled with remorse over what she's putting him through. And the empress is completely remorseful over what she's caused and this horrible discord, you know, amongst these people that she's come to actually genuinely love. And at this point, the earth opens up. And while the nurse grabs the empress, knowing that this is Kaikobad's doing, and spirits her off, the earth actually swallows up the dyer and his wife, and that ends Act Two. So the empress has renounced the plan. She's not going to take the dyer's wife's shadow. Well, she's heading in that direction, but we're going to find out... She's going to be tested even more in Act 3. So where are we at the beginning of Act 3? Underneath the realm of Kaikobad in underground caverns. And the Dyer and his wife are in two separate chambers. They aren't aware of each other's presence, and they're both crying out to each other. The Dyer's wife is just beside herself. She just, she just wants to die because she's so... So sorry for what she's done to Barak. She realizes not only does he love her, she loves him. It's all thrown everything into, you know, stark relief, you know, her true feelings for him. And now she fears it's too late and she just wants to die and join him in death. Kaikobad is still going ahead with his initial plan, which is to take the Empress back to his world, to his spirit world, and have the Emperor cast into stone. But is he? Is ah. he? Is Ooh. he is that really the plan he's going for? I don't think so. We see the empress brought on on a boat by the nurse. And the nurse thinks they're going ahead with that with the plan you just mentioned. That that's where we're headed. And the empress knows that her husband is down there somewhere. There's a door and she knows that he's being judged. 
and she wants to be with him. She does not want to go back to the spirit realm. She essentially renounces the nurse, tells her, you know, we're done. Goodbye forever. <laughs> you, are, you are not a good influence on me. <laughs> because the nurse, the nurse is essentially is pulling her back to the spirit world. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And she renounces the nurse and she moves through the door and finds herself in this beautifully lit chamber where there's a fountain. And it's the fountain of life. And she hears a voice telling her, and, and I have to say, through all of this is the most incredibly beautiful music Strauss ever wrote. It's just unbelievable from beginning to end. With this amazing soliloquy for the empress at this point, uh, with another amazing emperor, uh, soliloquy by the dyer's wife to, to start the act. It's incredible stuff. So she sees this fountain of life, and she hears a voice telling her, to drink from the fountain. And if she drinks from the fountain, she will get the shadow of the dyer's wife. Right. It's sort of one last chance. Yeah. And she sees a vision of her husband. She sees her husband at this point. They show her her husband, and he is turned completely to stone, and only his eyes can move. And she sees his eyes pleading with her to help him. To drink the water. Yeah. To drink from the fountain. Yeah. And she refuses. She struggles with it. She struggles with it. And she finally says, Ich will nicht. I will not. She will not do it. And that is the mark of her humanity. That's the right answer. <laughs> and she gets a shadow. Yeah. She gets her own shadow. Her husband is unfrozen. They're reunited. At the same time below them, you see Barak and his wife looking for each other, and they find each other, and they're reunited. And then begins the most exultant Strauss finale almost ever. I mean, it's just, it will blow your hair back. It's started by Barak, who just sings of the joy he's feeling. And then uh, each of the other four characters are joining him, and then the chorus joins, and you can hear the voices of their unborn children. And let me just say at this point, if I were one of them, and I heard a chorus of 50 voices saying, I'm your unborn children, I would run so fast <laughs> and so far. <laughs> but they're not me. <laughs> so what is this opera about? It's about getting in touch with humanity and uh, embracing, sort of embracing the banality of humanity even, uh, you know, because that's what Barack and his wife, that's what Barack's Represent. wife, yeah, and his wife is pulling away from him because her life is, you know, it's not glamorous it's, it's, and it's not, she doesn't have beautiful things, but she has the love of a really good man and she has to come to realize that. And the empress has to come to, understand the beauty of that, the beauty of humanity, and even sometimes the beauty of humanity's suffering. And what do the children represent? The ability to give life. So again, it's that, it's that humanity. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about the music. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know... This is a long piece. It's a very long piece. Each, each act is over an hour long. I've only actually gotten to see this live once <laughs> because it's just not done that often because it's so hard to cast. It goes by like a flash. You, I mean, it, it does not seem long at all. The music, well, you know, with Strauss, you have Strauss in his post-Wagnerian mode and you have Strauss in his neoclassical mode. 
the neoclassical Strauss would be Capriccio, Rosenkavalier, Mm -hmm. Intermezzo, those operas. The the post-Wagnerian Strauss, of course, would be Zalame, Elektra, parts of Ariadne, Elfnaxos, which sort of combines the two elements of Strauss. This is very much post-Wagnerian Strauss off the charts, I mean, on steroids. <laughs> because, man, that finale is just, like I said before, it will blow your hair back. It's, it's thrilling beyond measure. You just kind of wallow in the sound. Richard Strauss's Die Frau ohne Schatten, The Woman with No Shadow. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.